Well, hello and welcome to another edition of Health Solutions with Sean and Janet Needham, where Team Needham discusses everything healthcare. I'm your host, Sean Needham, and my wonderful wife, Janet, and we are streaming live from the Moses Lake Professional Pharmacy Studio. And I am super excited to have Dr. Duke Johnson on today. He is with the um, Heart of Hope Health Clinic in Post Falls, Idaho. It might not be Post Falls. It might be Hayden Hill to clarify that, but it is in Northern Idaho. I have had the pleasure of visiting that clinic. Got a super super cool story behind it and super cool plans that we're going to discuss um, for their growth. So without further ado, Dr. Johnson, welcome to our show. Thank you very much, Sean and Janet. It's wonderful to be with you. Yeah, thank you so much for being on. So tell us a little bit about the history of your clinic. Well, it's it's really a fascinating uh, history because we really had nothing to do with it. <laughs> uh, it really kind of um, originated in the last uh, couple of years with people just feeling uncomfortable with how medicine was changing as far as management and implement, implementation is concerned to, to patients. And uh, with mandates and requirements, which was completely different than we've dealt with in the past, a number of healthcare professionals both doctors and nurses got together September 16th of last year in North Idaho and and basically said, well, you know, we feel uncomfortable, what should we do? There should be an alternative. Let's provide some, some uh, options for patients who might not want to go down certain pathways. And so we, we met and we really didn't know what to do. And then um, we, we, the only thing we decided was to meet the following week. Well, the following week we met, there were 200 people in the room we had um, state senator and congressman and um, lieutenant governor and all kinds of people showed up for the meeting and there was a tremendous amount of interest. And a gentleman showed up who, uh, as a ministry, he was moving to North Idaho and he said, I feel as if God told me to help you guys and I need a headquarters, so I'll buy a medical building and I'll operate out of it uh, and you guys can lease the rest of it and start a clinic. And so. Uh, all of a sudden, we started going down that pathway, and and uh, it just kind of unfolded rapidly. And we opened it in February 1st. It took us a few months to get equipment in, and and there's also been a donation of land for us to expand to uh, building another facility. And we, we've just been growing basically since February 1st, and uh, it's just been amazing. We feel as if this we have nothing to do with it. God's doing this, and we're we're just sitting back watching. <laughs> So tell us what makes your clinic different. Well, what we've done is is we've we're operating on what's called the DPC model, direct primary care, where we function basically taking memberships with people and operate and don't accept insurance or Medicare. So we don't bill them. If people wanted to maintain their insurance, we provide the ICD-10 codes so that they can bill themselves if they would like. But but everything is run on a, a membership. And so what that does is that it frees us up so that in essence, we can uh, implement treatments that we believe are best for the patient themselves. And I've got a long history in, in preventive medicine of over 35 years. So my view in the first place is different than most people. And and uh, that allows us to, to be free to be thinking proactively instead of reactively. And uh, we've had some really great success stories, and it's just fun to be involved. Janet. 
So what is the staff feeling? Because um, I'm sensing that there's a little bit of excitement, but there's a, there's a difference too between um, where you were before you started and where you are now. So kind of the journey of, of how people are reacting and how they're feeling. Uh, you mean staff or patients or both? Staff, oh. your staff. You, you know, it, it's really interesting because we really didn't know what we were embarking on. <laughs> when we started. It was, it was um, let's just do something. And, uh, and that's where it originated. And so there was kind of like, um, uh, it, it's almost like a, a panicky situation of what do we do? How do we do it? We've never created this before. It's an alternative pathway. And how do we go about doing this? What's the best way to do it? We were getting a, a lot of consultation and input and, and through a lot of prayer, we finally decided to go down pathways. And with that, with any changes you're going to see, of course, we're going to uh, uh, people had some perspectives that it should go a certain way and others. But we finally could really see a clear path that was working, that was smooth and operable. And then we brought in people with um with expertise in certain areas to be able to, uh, you know, handle and and uh, deal with those differences and those changes. So we've finally become. It took a few months, but now we're we're really you know operating very smoothly and have some very very talented people that we're surrounded by that are very gifted. So it's fun. So you mentioned you don't bill insurance, so your clinic must be really expensive. I'm 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 joking. Um, so tell us about that. Tell us how healthcare can be affordable. Well, well, the money doesn't go to big buildings in big cities. It actually goes to providing for the the patients and for the staff. And so, um, you know, to be a member, people the primary and the family pays a hundred dollars a month, and a spouse would pay seventy five dollars a month, and then children uh, are twenty nine dollars a piece, up to a maximum of two hundred and fifty dollars a month for a family. And so, what that does is, that anything that doesn't cost us anything, we we don't pass it on. That's just you know how we're functioning. And so, uh, you know, if if someone needs a, a splint or or suturing, et cetera, that, that's all included as part of the fees because that doesn't cost us hardly anything. And um, they can come in, you know, multiple times in a month that, you know, we're not limiting the number of visits per se, unless somebody just really, really overtakes advantage of it, but nobody has. And, um, and so a lot of the things that a lot of offices bill for, we don't because we just uh, want to make that directly applicable to the staff. And what that does, though, is that it then frees us up so that we're not trying to run patients through here as fast as we can. Most offices are paid on how many people they can get running through an office. But when our foundation is this model, um, then we we don't have to raise patients through. So our typical appointments are an hour long. And, and I, I've, I've had a, a, a career that's a long career in medicine. I started off in emergency medicine and then I had a family practice, myself and another doctor of over uh, 8,000 patients. And so in that time period, I was seeing... Uh, 35 patients a day, and I know how to run patients through really fast. And I was uh, working prior to that in an emergency room where it wasn't unusual for me alone in the emergency room to take care of 50 patients in a shift. So I know how to go fast, but that's not the kind of medicine I enjoy. I and then after that, I I became medical director of the largest supplement manufacturer around the world, and 
and um, have taught preventive medicine in 30 different countries around the world. So I, I've got a real vast array in my experience. And in those time periods where I was seeing patients fast, there's only so much you can get to know. But now in this scenario, I can really get to know patients and I can see things that it's impossible to see in 10 or 15 minutes, et cetera, et cetera. So, um, and so that's, so what we do when you think of insurance, basically, you think of uh, office visits and catastrophic. Well, we're the office visit in essence of that DPC. And then there's other people out there that are covering the catastrophic, you know, they're like, you know, Samaritans or, uh, you know, there's about 12 organizations that we know of that you, you, you use a similar approach and those usually cost about 450 for a family. So we've got statistics that show that if you use a DPC and then a shared uh, catastrophic cost-sharing group like Samaritans or whatever, uh, then what you're doing is it costs the average family uh, of four around $900 a month. But if you go the insurance route, it's very commonly $1,400 a month. So we've got statistics that show the average family going down this pathway may well save $7,000 a year by going down this pathway. So once the patients understand that, then they get excited about uh, about the cost savings involved and then the long appointments. And so it's really, when people started to understand what was available, then momentum really has, has started to build. And so it's been exciting to see the change and we're really enjoying it. I think with the uh, health sharing ministries and the DPC model, I think honestly you're being pretty conservative because I can tell you for our family, um, we pay 170 bucks a month through Christian um, ministries and we, we love it. And, um, you know, so along with a DPC membership, you're talking like, you know, a, th a little over $300 a month, whereas insurance for us would cost 1500 So we've done the calculation. It's anywhere from, you know, 12000 to $18,000 a year that people people can save. And that doesn't include, um, you know, the lab fees and some of the other auxiliary services that you guys provide because many times labs are cheaper by paying cash than going through insurance, correct? Oh, oh, absolutely. I mean, and we don't have any um, deductibles or copays. So, and, and so, yes, definitely the cash price for labs is, is extremely competitive and we don't, it, we, we're just passing along those costs. So when, whenever we're incurred something, I mean, a, a lab that may t cost uh, through an insurance program $70, it might only cost us 13 or something. And so then we might charge the patient 15 to cover band-aids and nurse time, but we're not, we're not trying to make money on that stuff at all. Our, we're just focusing on the DPC portion of it. And we, we just want to make a living and, and take care of people. We're not interested in being the biggest or the brightest or, uh, whatever, but I, I've been called by a lot of people to say, hey, what is it you guys are doing? Because we want to do it too. <laughs> so so I've, I've had a lot of discussions with that from many people from many different states. So it's been, it's been uh, quite a ride, actually. Well, I've noticed, you know, you guys haven't really officially been in business even a year. And how many... How many providers do you have now? Four or five? I don't think they're all full time, but um, can you tell us about that? Yeah, yeah. Actually, it's kind of interesting. Right? Like right when we opened the door, we we um, uh, I had phone calls, and I don't know how people got my phone number, but I was getting phone calls from people in like sixteen different states. And I, <laughs> how's this happening? <laughs> What's going on here? And they were either saying, how are you doing it? Because we've tried to do it in our state and it's not working or our location. And 
uh, and or do you have any openings I'd like to join? And so we, we've got a lineup of people who would love to join us. And so we started, we interviewed a lot of people who were interested, who'd heard about it right from the start. And, um, and started down that pathway. And so, yeah, we have uh, four, four uh, healthcare practitioners right now, and we, we're adding, adding them as we need. And um, so, in other words, we don't want to uh, uh, take away from, from anybody, but as that volume increases, then they can expand full time. Then we open up another position for a day or two a week. And we're just going to keep expanding accordingly. And so, uh, yeah, there's been a, a, a definite uh, interest in us uh, either joining us or having us teach people how to do it. Janet. So we have interviewed many practitioners and healthcare professionals over the last couple of years. And one of the things that I think um, I'm sensing is that there's this new feeling of, hey, we're taking our profession back and we're actually happy. Um, because one of the things I think we have seen, even in our own profession of pharmacy, is burnout. Like the mental burnout, the fatigue of working all these hours and, and not having that professional satisfaction. And so... Really what I'm hearing from you is just a lot of excitement on all ends. Like the patients are happy. They're happy with the services. Um, you seem to be super happy. So any stories of providers that you have working for you that you know you can touch on and how it changed their life as a professional? You know, that's a great question, Janet. Actually, yeah, we, um, we have um, a, a healthcare practitioner who just really... Um, you know, we didn't like to be, um, you know, told the mandates of how she should take care of her patients and how many, um, uh, you know, shots they should receive or, or how many, um, uh, uh, what were the exact protocols. She just wanted to have the freedom to take care of families the way they were. And so uh, she, when, when mandates came through, she actually went to another state to get some assistance or to find a location where she could work. And um, was there for a little while and, and had interviewed and then found out about us and then um, came back. And she's loving the opportunity to just treat patients the way she always used to, to um, meet their needs and to not worry about, I have to have so much filled out in such a short time period to meet certain criteria, to meet certain standards and goals that I'm being watched over and so she spends a lot of time with the patients her reports are like incredible they're way more inclusive than she would be able to in an automated system and i, I mean i love reading her reports they're like amazing to me. Uh, because she's detail oriented she's a, a fantastic healthcare provider and um and spends a ton of time with with the families and and children and just really invests in their lives and so she's as happy as can be because this is the kind of practice she always wanted to have and 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 for me similarly i i mean it, it's it, i can't explain when you don't have that time pressure of an organization telling you that you're not seeing patients fast enough because for a short ter time period in my career my uh, family practice in Southern California was bought out by a larger organization and and they had supervisory doctors who'd say, okay, well, this was your volume this month and what's your volume, you know, your, your volume needs to be next month, this number, and can you come in and work on this day and can you do half days on Saturday? It was all about production, production, production. And I don't, I don't think a lot of physicians got into healthcare to say, wow, I just... 
I, I don't really uh, uh, care about anything other than how many people I can see in the shortest time period. I mean, I don't think most, most people got into medicine for that reason. It was to truly help people and get involved in lives. And I've gone into rooms where um, where a patient um, uh, would list in the front desk that they were there because of a sore throat. And I'd open the door. This is in my family practice in Southern California. And, and I'd open the door and I'd say, hi, and they'd start crying. And I thought, okay, they're not here because of a sore throat. <laughs> There's many deeper issues going on in their family. And there were marriage problems and stress and not sleeping. And the family was falling apart. And they took any appointment to be able to be there, just to walk in the door to be able to communicate with me. And I, I'd have this big lineup of patients. And... And I started off by saying, you know, you know, spending the time, the you know, 20 minutes or 30 minutes. And I said, well, why don't we come back? And so I can really devote a lot of time and let's spend an hour appointment or whatever with you. And most of the time, those patients never came back. It took everything in the world to come in the door. And so we told the rest of the people in our practice that your appointment times are relative. Uh, <laughs> take a book. Uh, there, there may be needs that are going to need to be met, and we want to meet those needs first. And, yeah, you might spend some time, some extra time in our waiting room, but if you ever need something, we'll be here for you. And out of over 8,000 patients, we only had about 20 leave because they just demanded a doctor who was perfectly on time. Most people, essentially everybody stayed because they wanted that kind of care. Well, in this scenario, we're able to provide that kind of care again. We're able to just say, yeah, these are in our appointments. What's going on? How can I help? What's, what's, what, do you, what do you need? And we can spend a lot of time going into issues. They don't have to. Right when we open, people come in with a list. And they, they were talking like, uh, you know, there used to be a commercial on TV where they had this guy who could talk incredibly fast. I don't know if it was FedEx or somebody. And that's how patients were showing up, kind of like, blah, 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 blah. <laughs> it was like, no, no, hold it. You've got a lot of time here. No, no, just, you, you can, we can talk about these things. And people were so, yeah, exactly. They were so shocked. It was great. <laughs> well, it's super exciting to hear because I, I will tell you in the last couple of years, the, the conversations I've had on the phone with clients, there was a lot of despair. You know, like, where should I go? What do I do? Who can I see? And so it's really super exciting on my end because, you know, we talk to our clients a lot over, you know, several, just because I think pharmacy industries like that, we, we see our clients or talk to them quite often. And so it's super exciting to see and hear that we have that coming back because I grew up in a little town where, you know, that doctor was at the game. And if I, when I sprained my ankle, he's the one that fixed it. And then he looked at it and you followed up with him. I mean, it was the hometown doctor. He knew everybody in your house. And so having those relationships rebuilt, I think, is what we need to do in healthcare to get just even the confidence back. I feel like we have destroyed confidence in clients with this next approach. And, and I understand where providers kind of gotten stuck into that, but it's exciting to see that we're taking it back and saying, no, you know, we're going to take care of our clients the way we feel is appropriate, which it takes some, some guts to do that. So kudos to you. Well, you see, it's really kind of funny. I, I don't feel in any way, shape or form, like I'm fighting anybody. I, I feel that what I want to do is just provide healthcare the way I think it's best for patients. And that's why I got into medicine a long time ago. And I've had a lot of patient visits in my career, my, 
my wife and I calculated one time and, and we estimate, obviously I didn't keep track of all of these, but we estimate in my career, I've seen 150,000 patient visits. And, and it's, it, it, but I didn't get into medicine to see a ton of patients. I got into medicine to take care of lives. And, and I absolutely enjoy what we're doing. To me, it's like, you know, everyone can do whatever they want to. They can have the reasons that they do what they want to do. Uh, some people are so firm in their stance. It's like, not, it's not even worth talking. But when I, met, when I represented a multi-billion dollar company globally and you're standing on a stage in front of uh, 10,000 people and you're representing a, a huge company, you, you have to really know your science. And a lot of the people in the audience were very science oriented or medically oriented. And so I really know how to dig into the literature. I really know how to find the truth of studies. I just don't read conclusions. I tear them apart. You know, who were the subjects? Who are the um, the people, how did they structure it? What were the statistics they used? Can they use that in this scenario, et cetera, et cetera? Uh, who are the people who are excluded from the study? And and from that, I've been I I've been able to um, be able to really understand in such a way wh what is the best way to approach people in in a great deal of situations. And if I don't know how to do it, I know which specialist to call to help me with it. I'm not trying to know everything for everybody by any means, but. But to be able to just then do that and transfer that on to other people uh, where they can feel loved and cared for. And yeah, I think this is a pathway and he explained everything to me and they go home feeling like I'm being cared for. Then I've done the good job. So you mentioned uh, early on in our in our show you know, even in the short time you've been open, you, you, you have some stories. So tell us the most, the most satisfying story for you where maybe a patient uh, either, you know, you, you, you really changed their life or you saved them a lot of money, saved them a lot of time. I'm sure you have many of those, but tell us one of the ones that's, that, that sticks out in your mind. Well, there's actually two that, that stick out in my mind. And actually we've, we've, um, decided to film these and put them on our website. They're just really fun stories. I, uh, the first was a gentleman who uh, had had a real bad experience with um, COVID. And so a relative here asked me if I would give him a call. He lived in um, Colorado. He says my relative does. And so um, and so I gave him a, a call. And, and the scenario was I gave him a call like May or so of, of last year. Excuse me, in May of this year. And his experience was that in September of last year, he was required, mandated to take the shot or he would lose his job. And so he held out to the last day. And this is a gentleman who um, who's a terrific athlete all of his life. In fact, I think he was all state in wrestling and, and he's about 50 years old and he, he still plays hockey about four to five days uh, times a week. I mean, this, this man's an athlete. He's <laughs> and, um, and about... Um, Three days after getting the shot, um, he um, got COVID and uh, was having such difficulty breathing, they admitted him and started him on remdesivir, intubated him, and then he was in a coma for two months. And so he was discharged from the hospital December 24th of last year uh, with a walker and an oxygen tank. And basically physical therapy didn't didn't do much for him. And, and that's pretty much the condition he was in when when uh, he called and or I called him and um, I said, well, you need to find somebody. You know, we found out about FLCCC's protocol with Dr. You know, you know Paul Merrick and and uh, Dr. Corey. 
Peter, Corey, and, and um, we just kind of use that as a basis. Everyone who comes in, I, I vary how I approach people because everyone has a little nuance. And, and even Dr. Corey himself says every patient that comes in, he, I saw a talk he had a couple of days ago where he goes, every patient that comes in is a learning experience for me. So <laughs> he's still in that investigative mode himself. But um, I told him he needed to find someone in Colorado that would do FLCCC. And he called me back two days later and said, I can't find anyone who will do it. Can I come drive there to your office and see you? And I go, okay, sure. If you want to make the drive, of course. And uh, he was feeling, uh, and when we saw him, it was, we don't have a big office. I mean, you guys have seen it. And um, to go from the uh, parking lot into our waiting room was a big event for him. And then to go from the waiting room um, to the, the patient room was was a, a, quite a task. Um, and so he was feeling so much better in four days. He said, can I come back and recheck in a month here? And I go, well, of course. <laughs> so he came back in a month. And when he showed up, he no, no walker, no oxygen tank, walks into our waiting room like nothing, walks into the patient room like nothing. <laughs> and he's sitting there and I'm rather stunned and thinking, wow, he looks great. You know, <laughs> so I'm thinking inside and I go, so tell me, how, how are you doing? He goes, well, I'm better. And I go, okay, well, tell me about it. And he goes, well, when I play hockey, I have to sit down and breathe oxygen after about three minutes. Like he's upset at me. You right? <laughs> I go, wait, wait. And I looked at his wife and I said, did I hear that correctly? <laughs> and she goes, doc, it made me cry when he got back on the ice because he loves it so much. And so... I said, so you're playing hockey? And he goes, yeah, but I have to sit down after three minutes and breathe oxygen. I go, wait, hold it, hold it. <laughs> let's, let's be patient here. Let's take some time. And he goes, okay, okay, okay. And so he's continued to get better. He's not fully back, but he has radically changed from what he was when we first saw him. Uh, another gentleman is um, a substitute teacher. It's in his high 60s. And he had another bad reaction. In fact, right after he was injected, he um, he immediately felt neurological problems and such that his wife had to drive home. Uh, and they told him, oh, this will go away in a couple of days. It'll be no big deal. And, um, and so what he did was he... Um, uh, that night, he tried to go to the bathroom and he couldn't, and he couldn't even walk. So he couldn't get, and so he couldn't get off the floor. His wife couldn't help him get off the floor. So they called the paramedics, and the paramedics had to help him. And the next morning, he could not walk. And so he saw a ton of people who thought he had some onset, sudden onset neurological disorder, and he was in a wheelchair, and saw lots of specialists, lots of scans. Nobody could figure out what was wrong with him. And he was injected February 22nd of uh, 2021. And so he had been like that for 15 months when I saw him. And in fact, when we started the treatment, um, when I lifted, um, when we weighed him at check-in, I had to hold his belt up so that he could stand on our scale. He literally could not stand on our scale. He had to hold the wall and I had to hold his belt. And... Um, and in one month, he was, um, when he came back for recheck, he was walking the length of a basketball court with a walker. And in two months, he didn't need a walker or a wheelchair anymore. And so we just filmed him just recently because now he's ready to go back to teaching after being in a wheelchair for 15, 16 months. Wow. Incredible story. Thank you for that. So, 
your clinic is expanding, um, and you've got I know some grandiose plans. So let's let's talk about um, what you are currently expanding into, and then what what your overall long term goal actually is. Well, it's really interesting because we we have uh, so many healthcare practitioners that are interested, and so many people in surrounding cities that are interested that. We're looking to take out leases in surrounding cities and maybe place um, healthcare practitioners in those cities to just basically duplicate what we're doing. It's almost kind of like a franchise idea because apparently a lot of people just, it hasn't clicked and they kind of don't know how to do this. And for some reason it's clicked with us. We just have a, a feel comfortable in how to approach this whole issue. And um, and we've actually had land donated to us. We've, we had... Uh, Someone says, well, if you want to build a, I think you're going to need a hospital. And so, um, uh, you know, you're going to need land and I'd like to donate it to you. And so that gentleman showed us 10 acres and then 16 acres and then 45 acres. And he says, which one do you guys want? And um, before I could even answer, I was just shocked. Before I could even answer, um, someone walked up to us and said, oh, they're going to need the 45 acres. And he, <laughs> the landowner said, well, that's what I wanted to give them. So... Um, he's he's donated that. We've had it rezoned so that we can build, uh, you know, some kind of a larger treatment center uh, on that. So it'd be a little bit more of a referral center. And we're just waiting for the money to come in to expand, to be, begin construction on that. But we've got the land as a basis. We're, we're, we're growing every day. I'm seeing new patients every day. Uh, all of the other healthcare practitioners are. We're, we're adding new new practitioners as the need allows and but we're but we're just adding them as they can we'd like to spread it as as much as we can to see what happens and you guys are expanding into urgent care and expanding your hours is that correct yeah yeah and so that's what we're doing right now in our our hayden facility we started in hayden lake um and so we're looking to basically expand um this facility from being uh uh primarily family care to being both urgent and family and um, and then doing that at several other locations so that it'd be both a combination of family and urgent. What are some services that you've added um, or going to be adding like x-ray and things like that? Yeah, in fact, in fact, most urgent cares have some basic labs. I mean, certainly we have a lab company where we can have them drop by and send out uh, or, or, or have them take to their lab, you know, stat labs, et cetera, like most any other urgent care does. But yeah, we're, we're, we've already got ultrasound and we're adding uh, an x-ray machine. We're actually going through remodeling of our facility right now to bring that in. And also, um, you know, the basic, basic labs per se, so that we'll be able to handle, I've, I've worked for years in an urgent care. We've got healthcare professionals here who've worked in urgent care. So we know we know what to do to, to create such a such an entity, and we feel real comfortable in going that direction. Then I used to work ER, so uh, urgent care is something we feel feel comfortable to expand to. So, if the patient is a member, will the X-ray or the ultrasound cost them any extra? Well, we're going to have to see number one the cost of the machine, and then what the turnaround is going to be as far as that's that's concerned. What the cost is to us, if it's if it's minimal or small, then we won't we won't add to it. But chances are, uh, there's going to be some overhead with that that we'd have we'll have to pass on just like we do the labs. And so we're uh, it won't be anywhere near what you'd normally have at a big facility. But at the same time, uh, we're kind of anticipating we're going to have to pass some of that along, like like um, uh, we do with the labs. 
are those services like ultrasound or x-ray are they going to be accessible to people that are non-members possibly because i know sometimes it's hard for people to get an x-ray without being charged six hundred dollars in a hospital it, 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 exactly no I mean, and in fact what we're planning on doing is a, a fee for service we already have a fee for service so, i mean so we're seeing people right now that they they don't have to be members. In fact, the vast majority of people they 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 come in as I want to do a fee for service, and then by the time they leave, about eighty percent of the people by the time they leave, they go, okay, I want to be a member. They, they do the fee for service as a trial. Um, although we have some people that stay fee for service, and that's fine based on their finances and their insurance and their needs, and and so it's just whatever works for them. But. Definitely with the urgent care, yeah, we'll also have that kind of a scenario too, where if people want to just do a fee for service, yeah, absolutely, no problem. And um, so, what, what if what, what do you have a passion for? As we wrap this podcast up, Doctor Johnson, what do you have a passion for? I have a passion for life. I, I just, I, I just have fought for for life in all aspects of my career. I just, I, I love. Uh, I've loved preventive medicine, which I've been involved with for, for 35 years, because I want to help reduce the risk of chronic disease in people's lives so they can live longer and healthier. Uh, in my global travels, I've been in very dangerous con- countries um, because the, the major corporation asked me to go in to speak. And I've been in places where the State Department told uh, I, on their website, no American to go into certain countries. And I've gone in because those people requested our help with their health and I'm I'm happy to do that kind of stuff because it's I, I don't see it as I, I'm here for me. I, I believe that God gifted me and that I'm to serve him and his people and that's what I'm supposed to do. So uh, that's definitely what, what what drives me. So what is the best way to get a hold of your clinic if anybody has any questions? Well a, our phone number is two zero eight 500-0601 and our email is heartofhopehealth.com all four words are just made into one word.com so either of those two ways are pretty easy awesome dr uh, johnson you have helped realize our goal of educating and empowering individuals to take charge of their own health i'm super excited for what you guys are doing and super excited to see you guys be so successful at it um, because we definitely need more clinics like yours uh the last two years have definitely showed us that and patients want choices and i'm so glad that you're offering this so thank you so much today for being on and taking the time thank you sean wonderful to be with you you take care And listeners and viewers, stay tuned for Thursday, 8 a.m. to 9 a.m. We will have Dr. Yazan Abdullah on. He's going to be talking about men's health. You don't want to miss out on that. We talk a lot about this, that on this podcast. So tune into that 8 a.m. to 9 a.m., our midweek podcast right here on my personal Facebook account, the Mosley Professional Pharmacy Facebook and YouTube site and Twitter and LinkedIn streaming live. So thank you all so much for tuning in today and listening to Health Solutions with Sean and Janet Needham. Thank you. Thank you.